All right. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the 30 Days of Miracles podcast. I'm Felicia Michelle, and I'll be sharing personal experiences of miracles in my life, as well as walking through biblical miracles in scripture. We'll take a look at how God uses people in the delivery of miracles, how you can be a part of it, how you can be present and available to encounter or be a part of miracles by learning to listen and converse with God. So becoming kingdom-minded and encountering his presence and kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So today for day 20 of our series, wow, can you believe it's day 20? I'm going to talk to you about another healing I had, miraculous healing just by faith and prayer again. And I think this is close to the last physical healing I've had, but this one was another very long in comparison wait, (laughs) Um, but not the longest. And one where, again, doctors didn't think that I was going to take the right course. And lo and behold, it was the right path to take. And all of the issues went away. But this one, I'm going to interject here with a little bit of wisdom, how he uses knowledge and information to also have you get healed. So it's not only... Or it's not always just miraculous healing with no changes. And I want to highlight this because I happen to have a lot of interest in health and nutrition. And I know that you don't just neglect your health. It says your body is a temple, right? And so I think you're supposed to pursue knowledge knowledge and wisdom and discipline yourself and be healthy. You know, do things to nurture your body and heal naturally unless in some cases he may have you pursue healing through conventional Western medicine. I don't think that it's always the case that you have to do that. And I think there is something to be said about doing your best to have a healthy temple, healthy body, um, not just medicating it and masking symptoms, but actually fixing it. There are things you can do to reverse things. And sometimes he pops that knowledge in there and sometimes you have to go pursue it or he'll send you someone and work through someone else to present that knowledge to you. And this is kind of a combination of the two. So let's get right to it. I believe that we should should nurture our bodies and treat them well and maintain our health. And and a healthier body enables us to do more things and serve more people and fulfill our purpose in many different ways. But not all of us will have good health. Some of us, that's just one of, you know, we have different things we battle and health may be one of, you know, and genetics and just things that happen to people, sometimes injuries and all kinds of stuff, you know, that does happen. It doesn't mean that you have a lack of faith. There's just different seasons and different reasons. Okay. So it depends what God is doing through your life. But that said, what happened to me was I had gone to the doctor and got a breast exam. You're supposed to have these often, which I don't, I just examine them myself. So if I do have something I need to check, I check it. But a lot of times they push for mammograms and, and you have, um, you know, x-rays and, uh, you know, stuff going through radioactive stuff going through your breast, which actually can contribute. There are different schools of thought. You can look into this, but they contribute to, um, mutations in your breast tissue (laughs) and then, and also fibrous breasts pick up differently you know, there's different kind of clusters and trying to explain this as layman's as I can in layman's terms. But anyway, the, the way that the breast tissue is made up, it looks like one thing on one, you know, for one person where maybe it's not. And so 
without getting too deep into that stuff, you know, I don't want to be controversial on health and wellness stuff and want to focus more on the actual facts and experiences I've had and how God's worked through them. So what happened to me was I was in the doctor and they, you know, I have a lot of fibrous tissue in there. And even, even that being said, what happened was they felt this, this, um, this cyst, this little clump in my breast. And there were actually two of them and, and a little like rocks moving around. It was really weird. I can remember just feeling it. It's like, I just kept feeling it. It would just like keep moving around once I knew it was there. And, and they like, now I know how to feel in there and feel for it. But the doctor was like, yeah, that's not normal. And, and I was like, okay. She's like, do you eat a lot of chocolate? I'm like, no, I don't really like chocolate. A little bit of dark chocolate once in a while, but do you drink, you know, um, diet stuff? Like just ask me all these questions. And then she's like, what about caffeine? I was like, yeah, I do drink coffee sometimes. And maybe it's one a day or something, but I mean, not even really coffee, but caffeine. Like I had energy drinks every day, like one energy drink or and maybe I'd have some coffee or something. And they were like, okay, well, you're going to need to get a biopsy again, right? You're going to need to get this examined and come in for, like went in there for that mammogram, like X, I want to say, did I get more than a mammogram on the machine? I'm not certain, certain, but I know I went through that, putting your, your, upper body section on top of this table and have him smash it around feels really weird and awkward like you're some kind of like cow I don't it's just so awkward but so I get that done and then they're concerned and before I opt for the biopsy again I'm just like okay well I just found this out so why don't I just pray about it and stop drinking caffeine because she was like yeah caffeine can cause cysts so you know we're gonna want to examine the cyst but I was like well how about I just pray about it and I cut back on my caffeine and I'll probably come back in here and it'll be gone. And again, they're very skeptical, right? They just, you need to pay money, right? And do this stuff and their knowledge is so high and above you. You need to just do it their way, right? There's only one way. It's the doctor's way. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's going to be my last resort, right? It's not like I'm saying no medicine. I'm not an extremist, but definitely I pursue other avenues first like natural healing, prayer, which is even the most powerful way. So I pray and I cut back my caffeine and wham, bam, six months later, I go in and all clear, not a cyst in sight or in touch. <laughs> so they're gone. No cysts. Haven't had cysts since. Um, and I have actually went back to caffeine, sadly, and now I'm pretty good about it. I don't have very much caffeine now. But when I had Ellie, after I was done breastfeeding, I definitely started using the caffeine because I just, I never slept in one day in three years and I was tired and I was working in the early a.m., you know, only a couple, like two or three a.m., mostly like four and five a.m. And then I would work really late at night, sometimes two, and it went, sometimes it would be one or the other. So I was never like slept, which is not healthy either. Because that messes with your adrenals and cortisone and all this other stuff and insulin, depending on what you know your eating's off and like circadian rhythm and all that stuff. But now I don't have much caffeine. I'm doing intermittent fasting and stuff and trying to like reverse all that damage because intermittent fasting eats cancer cells, eats what it what would be cancer cells, right? Cells that break down. So anyway, I'm saying all that just so you could look into that, but um, getting that back on track so that I don't have something like that happen again. Because when you're once you're given the information, you're given the healing, I think it's also a responsibility to do something about that and use what you know and have been given and maintain that and pursue better health. So 
all that said, I know that was a lot. That's a mouthful, right? Just kind of whipping through it because this is really about miracles and what God does for you and what he does for me. And so those cells didn't come back. I've had cleat. I've been free and clear. Um, I talked just two episodes ago about the other cancer cells and the biopsy stuff. And this one and that one, nothing has ever come back. I'm completely clear of everything. I have no health issues. Just there's been certain scares that he just takes away. It's just like, it's almost like, it's almost like either he just wham bams it and done and like he takes it away and it is something or he's like, hey, this is what could be. But, you know, I'm just going to, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. I really have a clean bill of health and thank goodness to my mom and mom and dad who had really good health too. Um, except for things that, you know, brought into their life on their own, like my dad with drinking and stuff. But yeah, I mean, he's a miraculous God and he heals when he wants to heal. And sometimes people don't get healed until heaven, but you know what? Glory be to God and all thanks because I really appreciate constantly being taken care of. I need it. And yeah, I mean, I definitely believe in doing things with that afterwards and making sure that you're doing everything you can to stay healthy as much as within your power. So, um, you know, sometimes he gives us physical ailments to work through and it serves as a testimony to God, how good and great he is and how much grace and he's sufficient and his grace is sufficient, how it'll get us through that. And, you know, sometimes just as we all do die and go to heaven unless we're raptured up, you know, and around at that time, but we all have bodies that are failing, you know, and we're in the natural world and things do fail. There's a lot of like information and ways to keep ourselves healthy, but it takes sacrifice, right? What you eat and, and being disciplined and all that. But there's also some things that just happen. It comes and runs in your family. And that's just something that part of your story and you gotta lean on him to get you through it and that's another fact of life but he is a gracious god and you know unless there's something he's a lesson he's giving you or a lesson he's teaching other people through how much grace he gives you and how you get through that and how good he is in spite of it and like how much faith you have and that's going to serve as a testimony to someone i think most of the time most of the things he gives healing for um I wouldn't want to be the, one of the people that has to work through one of these big, huge things and goes that way. And, you know, but then again, those people grow so close. It's such a sanctification and they grow so close to God that there's probably nothing like it. So let's compare that to a biblical story. Now let's talk about the story of Naaman. I think I mentioned him one time previously, but it's in 2 Kings chapter 5. So the beginning of second Kings chapter five starts talking about the story of Naaman and his healing. So this parallels this again, this story because with this cyst, because we received guidance and knowledge from God to address our health issue. Okay. Both of us. Right. So along with the removal of a source of harm, right. God healed us. One biblical story that parallels my experience with the doctor and the cyst and receiving guidance and knowledge from God to address this heal health issue along with the removal of a source of harm right could be the story of Naaman's healing in second kings chapter five so all the beginning of that fifth chapter in second kings and i think i mentioned Naaman before but let me give you a little back history Naaman who's the commander of the army he's suffering from leprosy though and through a series of events 
Naaman himself is directed to the prophet Elisha in Israel for healing. Now, Elisha is like a favorite of mine. And so is Elijah. But anyway, that's aside from another point. <laughs> but he's a prophet in Israel and people go to him for healing. Initially, Naaman's resistant to Elisha's instructions. Okay. So it's kind of like, don't drink caffeine, right? Or whatever your ailment may be and whatever some instructions on health are. A lot of people reject like instructions. Okay. For like living healthier. They're like, you only live once. Well, you can live once with pain. You can live once without pain. But so he's expecting some grand miraculous cure, right? He wants it, what he wants in the way he wants it. He wants this big hoopla. He doesn't want like something where he actually has to do something. So I mentioned this because sometimes it requires our obedience or walking through forward in faith, but not only that, but coupling that with, Hey, I got to do some stuff. I got to do this or that. And sometimes no, it's a miraculous healing, but other times it's like, Hey, you need to show that you are willing to kind of like do the part that I want you to do. You need to follow through in faith before I even do it. And then I'll meet you there. So anyway, Elisha simply instructs, instructs Naaman to wash seven times in the Jordan river, which initially disappoints him. He goes off and he's all upset, right? And eventually Naaman humbles himself and follows Elisha's instructions and is completely healed of his leprosy. The reason I think this is so good is because, like I said, it's instruction coupled with miraculous healing, right? It's like, do the stuff with it. And it's kind of like that whole thing with like heeding wisdom and knowledge and health information and coupling that. Don't just eat whatever you want. Like once you know, do better. <clears throat> Don't just not do these things, right? You want, I want you to walk forward in faith and in obedience. So coupling those together brings about miracles too. So, I mean, the only thing though, it's not anything we do, but it's that these are the requirements or parameters that he set that he's going to deliver this miracle in this container, right? God is the only one that brings about the miracles, but our obedience, I say, brings about the miracle because without that, he's not going to do that part. So um, it, we don't have control, but what we do have is, I'd say, blockers or not meaning like a threshold of minimum requirements, you know, or, you know, operating within those boundaries, right, or that container where it's going to happen. So like if you're over there and the thing is going to happen over here, it's not going to happen like that. <laughs> so <laughs> easiest I can explain it, right? So get in the container, right? You didn't bring it about, but you move into that box that the container that he was going to do it in brought it about, right? But he is still the one who's in charge of bringing miracles into fruition. So similarly to Naaman's situation, you know, my situation, I received guidance and knowledge from God to address my health issue related to caffeine consumption and whatever else, what it might be. But that was like pinpointed something that contributed to my situation, my current condition, right? The cyst formation. But by following the guidance and making necessary changes, I was given a clean bill of health once again. And whether it was actually my actions or just a miracle alone, we'll never know, right? But I mean, I still have, I ca have had caffeine for several years recently as I'm older and it didn't cause that but you know maybe it's because I'm just fully healed from that and you know the caffeine just messes with my adrenals and so I try to journal so I try not to um do that anyway too much and I was really like living off of caffeine for a while anyway additionally I want to mention the removal of a source of harm right that consumption parallels Naaman's healing from leprosy because 
he had to remove his stubbornness and pride and, hum- and humble himself and go dip himself this many times in the water. I'm going to read it in just a moment, but the whole thing illustrates God's care and provision in addressing both our physical and our spiritual needs, right? Reliance on God and obedience. So I'm going to read uh, a scripture for you to, you know, like this story, read some verses and, and then you can kind of think through it. So I just want to call out, like, as I'm reading through Naaman's leprosy situation and healing, pay attention to his, like, serious positioning and how he has to willingly humble himself before God to get what he wants and how he has to be willing to accept the path to that rather than the way he wants it, what he expects, right? Sometimes our expectations can hold us back from experiencing the true deliverance that we so want desire. So now Naaman, first verse, chapter five, second Kings, commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him, the Lord had been given victory to Syria, had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Okay. So the Syrians had gone on raids. I'm going to kind of skip through a little bit, but he had got, the Syrians had gone on a raids, brought back a cap back. Oh my goodness. A captive. And it, it was a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on his wife and she said, uh, if only the master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So he, she's the one who actually delivered the message that he get healed. And yet she's a captive. Okay. So she was waiting on his wife and she says, hey, you know, there's this guy, he can heal you. So he would heal him of his leprosy. Naaman went and told his master saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Okay. And the king of Syria said, go now. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he's got permission. Naaman goes, right? He departs. He takes some money, brings the letter from the king of Israel. Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Okay. That's in the letter. So the king of Israel read the letter. That he tore his he tore his clothes that he tore his clothes and said, "Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me." So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, "Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman goes with his horse and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house, okay? So Elisha sent a message messenger to him, saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come to me. So he expects Elisha to come to him, right? He sent someone and said, so he doesn't get that like, hey, I'm important kind of thing. And stand and call in the name of the Lord as God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So he expected Elisha to come, to him, because he's important, not send someone, and just stand there, wave his hand, magic over his body, he'll leprosy, he doesn't do anything. So, he's like, you know, there's some better rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel, why do I want to go over here? Can I not wash on them and be clean? He doesn't want to go to some dirty water, right? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, 
and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, Then, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple to worship, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down, I bow. May the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. So go in peace, he says, and he departs from him in a short distance. So I just kind of read through a little extra here, but the point of it being, you know, it's like, man, your God is a real God, dude. Like he healed me. And I put this in our like current terms over here. Okay. So let's, let's summarize this. Naaman's sick. He's a leper, even though he has power. He's a powerful God, like guy with position. Okay. He goes to the king. He wants permission to go get healed. And king is towards his clothes. He wants him to be healed too. And Naaman goes to Elisha. Elisha sends out a guy and Naaman expects him to come to him. He throws a fit, look like a little baby. Doesn't want to go get in this little dumpy water. There's better water. And his people talk him into going in the water anyway. Like, dude, if it was awesome, you'd do it. Why not just do it if it's this? You can get clean. He does it. He gets clean. He's like, oh, my bad. God is real. And that, you know, he's the one true God, the God you worship, not some other God in different versions of what we want him to be. This is a real God with power of healing. You are a man of God, right? And now, like, I'm going to bow down before the real Lord, acknowledge him. So, huge lesson here. And I think it's pretty obvious it speaks for itself. But, you know, be willing to get out of your comfort zone and do whatever you need to do to bring this about and to get your healing. So, we humble ourselves before the Lord. We act in obedience coupled with faith brings us into a positioning where God intends us to be to grant this thing healing deliverance revelation whatever it might be um and speaking of physical healings i think it's important to know like ask for clarity ask for wisdom ask for a word of, from someone else ask for confirmations that he's going to heal you and if you get those fully believe you're going to get it and if you don't, seek for that which you're, he's going to reveal through your suffering and your pain and your trial. And with that, let's read a few verses. Now, I'm going to read a few, basically, verses to provide encouragement to wait on God and trust in his timing and find wisdom or understanding in him, even during our trials and suffering, okay? So Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I love that verse. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord twice. <laughs> James 1, 5, in any of, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Love it. Love it. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, these verses remind us to trust in the Lord's timing, seek wisdom and understanding from him and find comfort in the assurance that he works all things for our good, even in the midst of trials and suffering. And there are some debates and some things I think about what that means when, you know, a lot of people have Jeremiah 29, 11, right? You know, I don't seek to harm you and I want to prosper you and, you know, I have a plan and a future for you, but 
there are certain verses, there's two different kinds of like promises and covenant promises in the Bible, like with as a people of the old covenant and a people of the new covenant and whether they're meant for the covenant people and we're grafted into the new covenant, right? But, or they're meant specifically in time, place for a specific person, but that's a whole nother study. But when I think about like, I say that because in reference to when I think about, you know, he works things for the good of those who love him. I, I do think that, but sometimes there's, you know, the good is not necessarily experienced in the natural realm. I'm just going to put that caveat because not all things will work for the physical good of us, right? Sometimes people are beheaded. <laughs> all things worked for the good of the disciple that was, you know, even John the Baptist is beheaded, right? But like all things work for our good. And there are many ways in which that is meaningful. And sometimes things work for our good here on earth. And sometimes they work for the good of our soul, right? And maybe we're still going to die. All people die. But his faith, think about how much it was like, think about the closeness you have with God while you're going through the massive trial or like on your deathbed and like being put to death and the closeness and the sweetness of like leaning in and, and being safe in the in his wings, right? And in, in his arms. And there's just a lot we could say about that, but um you know, what that looks like is you got to, it depends on the certain circumstance and situation and your personal relationship with him and, and how that's going to be. And sometimes he brings us to our knees for our own good. So sometimes it's like stuff will happen and it's for our good so we can develop trust and dependency on the Lord. And so like, it may not look like it's for our good, you know, but it's our long-term good and our short-term bad, right? So just that being said, like it just requires wisdom and faith and, and just growing in him and seeing how he's going to be present in your life personally. All right. And with that, I bid you adieu and we will be here again tomorrow.